0: And what is up? Welcome in Wednesday episode of GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, coming at you live, presented by our buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Uh, Clint can help walk you through a plan if you would like to buy a home. I know interest rates are up. They're all over the place. But what you need is somebody who knows how to navigate this situation. Clint helped me and my fiance come up with a plan. He can do the exact same for you. So give him a shout, 803-771-6933. You got to have a good game plan. Clint will take care of that for you. Chris, uh, we got a game plan today. Hopefully, we're able to stick to it this time. Uh, we've got Nick De La Torre from GatorsOnline.com set to join us at some point during the next hour to give you the Florida view of South Carolina versus the Florida Gators. And uh, very curious to learn what he has to tell us about this Florida team. I think we've got a little surface level, at least, grasp of what to expect, what to think about this team. And uh, looking forward to diving in a little bit more to uh, the strengths of this team. They're a nine-point favorite over South Carolina. Combined with, um, you know, why why they've lost four games as well. So I I think it's going to be an interesting conversation once we get Nick on um, here momentarily.
1: Yeah, should be. Uh, Starting with, you know, less the health of the team. They've got, um, you know, some guys that they didn't have at the beginning of the season. Uh, plan on asking him about wide receiver Justin Shorter, who missed the Texas A&M game, one of their usual starters. I think he had started every game this year. Uh, he was out last week, and my understanding is questionable. Uh, for this week, at the very minimum, they will, of course, also be without Brenton Cox, who uh, was dismissed from the team, basically, after the Georgia game, former Georgia Bulldog himself. Um, playing well for them, their top pass rushing threat. He'll be out. Obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about some Anthony Richardson and, and sort of his progression as a passer, the running threat that he is. And also something I want to dive into, Wes, why has Florida, at least statistically, you know, had some of the struggles that they have defensively? Um, is that kind of a little bit of smoke and mirrors? Are they better than we think? Are they worse than the numbers indicate? Um, that's something that I plan on on asking Nick De La Torre once he can come on soon. So looking forward to diving into Florida, and we'll continue doing that all week, I know, on Gamecock Central.
0: Doesn't it? it may, maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm so just uh, locked into our South Carolina bubble that I have not noticed. Um, it doesn't feel like you have as many high-profile, straight-up dismissals as you used to have. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it hmm. just it felt like that was – a new thing. Now, Now maybe, how, how many portal situations, generally speaking, are, all right, man, you got to go. And it's not, it's just never publicized that you were dismissed. As I'm talking about it out loud, Chris, that may be the answer to it. But <laughs> it just right. feels like I've not seen that headline, insert marquee player, non name here, has been dismissed. Like it seems like that just doesn't happen, but maybe coaches don't want the negative publicity that comes along with we're we're kicking this guy out because he did something wrong.
1: I did not realize that until you said it. You're right. And then I do think you answered it. It is kind of like the uh the whole resign versus fired thing. You know, we're gonna let you resign. You have no choice, but yeah. you can <laughs> but you can resign uh type of thing. And everybody saves a little face. No, you're right. I mean, remember uh the Fulmer Cup, nobody wants to win that. You you don't, you also don't want to win like the transfer cup where you have like twenty guys transfer out. Uh, but there are a lot of different reasons for that. But but Wes, I mean, we can think of circumstances at several programs, including South Carolina, where somebody transfers and it's kind of a mm, the fresh start thing. That's something you'll hear a lot behind the scenes. They needed a fresh start. Yeah, That's, that, that means gotta,
0: you can you get can out. resign or you can get fired. Like <laughs> yeah. you can resign, you can Make your transfer trade. or you can be dismissed. Yeah. So good point. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened that led to that, but, um, obviously talented football player. This is, and it's a talented Florida team. I, I don't know, Chris, if I've ever seen, has there ever been a Florida team in our lifetime that just was not talented? Like these, these teams always have talent. Now they're, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. There have been some Florida teams that haven't been very good in our lifetime. Now, even then, it's a little bit skewed almost. Like, I, I don't think of Florida as being an elite program or team anymore, almost, but their down years typically aren't as down, I feel like, as a lot of other teams, down teams are. They just haven't been able to find that elite level in a while. Yeah. I think they'll have like,
1: there'll be one missing element from the team or you just look at the team and go, why are they not getting more out of that team? You know, and I think there's been, sometimes they haven't had a quarterback. Sometimes their offensive line stinks. Sometimes they're not squeezing enough talent, you know, out of that group. I mean, they typically have lots of talent. I mean, man, think, think back to when Will Muschamp was there. And they were struggling offensively, right? And probably struggling more than they should have been because they were still talent on the offensive side of the football from an on-paper standpoint. Or even you go and look back at some of the guys that went on to play in the NFL, and you go, okay, probably should have squeezed more out. But you can look at some of those rosters defensively, Wes, and you'll look at, like, not even the two deep, like the three deep certain years, and you're like, NFL, NFL, and it's like, three deep like there'd be some freshman who ended up being you know really good college player and an nfl player so always stack with talent and that can man that can be a differentiator for you right even with a team that when you pointed out they've lost some games this year they are early in the billy napier tenure we know that um but this is a team that's still going to have a lot of talent and that that always means that you don't throw the record out because ultimately you are what your record is. But, but it does mean that this is from a talent standpoint, a team that's got a good bit of it. And so it's almost like you look back at the Missouri game on paper, they don't have as much talent as some, at some spots, even South Carolina, they don't have as much talent on paper as Florida, but you looked at Missouri's record and you go, this is a better team than what you have seen. They are capable of playing better. And I think you get a similar, it is different, but a similar feel with Florida. It's a team that has not always maximized what they could do this year. Some of that's probably been competition-based. You you play Georgia, obviously, the week before last and end up losing that football game. Uh, But nonetheless, a good bit of talent collectively and at some key individual spots like quarterback with Anthony Richardson.
0: It's been interesting to me, Chris, as we started to dive into this Florida game this week, and the conversation has turned from Vanderbilt to the Gators, not really much talk about last year's game. Like, um, it it seems like the general consensus, maybe I'm misreading it, misjudging it, but um, just by it not being mentioned, the general consensus is that there's not really much carryover at all from last year's game to this year. Obviously, you know, you, you got a different quarterback for Florida. You got a different coaching staff, different venue. Um, that was a game where where Florida went into it reeling a little bit. And to South Carolina's credit, they um, sort of um, stuck the dagger in there pretty early in the game and just um, rode the momentum to the end and um, was obviously, you would say, what, probably one of the finest moments of Beamer's first year at South Carolina. but. um just completely different approach, I would I would think to Florida from a coaching staff standpoint this year. And um, you know, they're again they're a nine point favorite. I I kind of um, that's about probably what I thought it would be, Chris. So like I'm not sitting here saying I, I disagree with it. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a pretty difficult game for South Carolina to win. Like I truly believe that on paper it's going to be tough to win. However, it is a little bit interesting to me. Um, how nobody is talking about that South Carolina did um, sort of dominate the game between the two teams last year. And then it's not like this is a Florida team that has just turned around and been completely dominant themselves this year. They are seeking bowl eligibility this week themselves. Yeah, I mean, not a ton of carryover. from
1: The thing that the staff and the players can go back and look at is – there, There is personnel carryover, so um, defensively, offensively, on special teams. A lot of the players that are on this year's team for Florida were on the last year's team as well. Good bit different because you've got not just one, not two, but basically three different schemes. You look at offensively, defensively, special teams. They're going to do things differently in all three phases than they did last season, so that's something new that you have to prepare for. You look at what they've done this year. You go back and look at – what the staffers for Florida did, maybe at some previous stops, and Florida's going to be doing the same, obviously with South Carolina, um, you know. So not maybe a ton of advantage there, and and obviously a big notable change west this year is again not only different system, but you look at Anthony Richardson, different quarterback. You know, South Carolina saw Emory Jones last year; he was a dual threat guy as well, but different offense, different skill set. And AR fifteen, as he's known, um, is a guy that. He's, he's among the most dangerous quarterbacks in the country just because of his ability to break off a long run basically from anywhere and has played, I think, better the last few weeks. So not a bunch of carryover, um, but certainly not a, not a game that, you know, I think you put this in the toss-up category for South Carolina. Is that fair? I mean, even though it's a nine-point game, I kind of am putting it mentally in the toss-up category just because, what did you say, the FPI has it at 70% Florida?
0: Yeah, just over 70% Florida.
1: I still put it in the toss-up category. Now, That's not to say that Florida shouldn't be favored or that I won't ultimately pick Florida. Spoiler, that is where I'm leaning right now for a variety of factors that we'll continue to get into throughout this week. But I don't look – that. you know, I don't put this in the same category as like a Tennessee or even a Clemson, where you go, it, it, you know, I think this is a little bit different to me. It's like a little bit more in the toss-up category for me. I don't know. I, I could be reading it totally wrong.
0: Where does it compare to Arkansas going into that game? Similar. Similar.
1: I, I, think, I think there are a lot of similarities in that. Um, and you know what? I mean, Arkansas – I might have had higher preseason expectations going in. I mean, certainly to what they've done so far, because they've been disappointing, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be quite frank, Arkansas has been a disappointment relative to what everybody thought, and even relative to Florida. I did go into the season, Wes, saying that like the demise of Florida was probably overstated. Like People that just thought they'd be bad, I didn't get mm-hmm. it. Because you looked at last season, it was very clear they underachieved. You look at what they had on the roster coming back. The figure you figured that Billy Napier would do a solid job with this team in year one, all those factors. I mean, I, I think it's kind of similar. Yeah, to that Arkansas game. I don't remember what the line on the Arkansas game was. I don't feel like it was nine, though. Is that you remember? Anybody remember? I don't.
0: I will, uh, I will effort that here. Effort um, it. In a moment, it seems like it was similar, but I don't remember exactly what it was. We're going to go out to our guest line now. Uh, Nick De La Torre joining us from GatorsOnline.com. I think we talked to Nick last year on the show as well. So, Nick, uh, welcome back, man. How you doing?
2: Doing well. Thank you guys for having me. And, uh, man, I think we've been having Chris on uh, podcast since I was at Gator Country like in 2013. So, uh, always, always down to uh, return the favor
0: definitely man Uh, we've all been doing this for a while now it appears Uh, we've all seen a lot so uh, tell the Gamecock fans on here um, you know big picture view what do they need to know about this Florida team before we dive in maybe you know maybe if they haven't watched much of Florida at all uh, give us kind of that big picture view on what this Florida team's been all about so far
2: yeah uh, it's kind of Florida goes as Anthony Richardson does Um, and at times he's been great Um, I mean had a game against Utah where people were like, oh man, we forgot to add someone to the Heisman watch list. Um, And then had games against teams like Kentucky and USF, where uh, it looks like a totally different person. Um, Florida's kind of found his footing um, with running backs, Montreal Johnson and and Trevor Etienne. um, So it doesn't all fall on Anthony's shoulders. Um, In in the beginning, they were really trying to throw the ball more and, and, and had a different running back starting. So, uh, they're really finding finding their footing with the running game, um, and then defensively, um, I, I said, you know, Dan Mullen didn't leave the cupboard bare on the defensive line, but there weren't enough dishes and plates to have a dinner party because um, you really just had uh, a bunch of five star, four star, former five star, four star guys, and then no one behind them. Um, but through you know nine games, ten weeks into the season, you have uh, that depth starting to develop. So you know, Florida in the first two, three games had defensive tackles playing 68 snaps. And I don't know how a guy that weighs 320 pounds uh, can make it through a game, 68 snaps. Um, But they're, they're starting to get some more depth there. Um, So Florida has been a a team that I think uh, before the season, I had them pegged at seven and five, eight and four. Um, You know, when they started two and two and almost losing to USF, I thought, Oh man, uh, this team might not get bowl eligible. Um, But I think, Overall, uh, they've been kind of what we expected them to be um, with the depth issues they've had because of the recruiting in the past um, and a quarterback who's only really started five, six games. um, You know, uh, I guess now started 10 games now, um, one last year and nine this year. um, You know, there were some growing pains to be expected.
1: Nick, uh, let's start on the defensive line there. You you mentioned the lack of depth, and obviously Florida was dealt a blow uh, of some sort (laughs) when Brenton Cox was apparently dismissed from the team after the Georgia game. He was a starter for them. We all know he was a former big-time recruit, seemed to be one of their top pass rushers. How has that affected things? I know we don't have a huge sample size. We have, what, one game, Mm -hmm. but how has that affected the
2: depth and maybe the production up front for the Gators? Well, that was one position that Florida really had uh, a bunch of depth at. Um, Antoine Powell-Randall, who replaced him, had two sacks and a forced fumble um, against Texas A&M. Um, and I, I think it's, it's almost addition by subtraction. Um, Brenton Cox always seemed to be um, more concerned about him than, than the Gators. Um, always concerned about how many sacks I get, how many tackles for loss. Uh, I'm the best pass rusher in the NFL, and I have to show it and, and really worry about his draft stock. And listen, um, if I were 20 years old and uh, good enough at football that people were going to pay me millions of dollars to do it one day, I'd probably worry about that stuff too. Um, but Flores really didn't miss him at all uh, against Texas A&M. Princey um- that's a fun one. Um, Princey uh, kind of moved over. He was a, he's a defensive end, but kind of moved over to that Jack linebacker position um, on third down passing situations. Um, So Florida has a a lot of pass rushers, uh, Justice Boone, Princely, um, Lloyd Summerall, Antoine Powell, Randall. Um, So if they could afford, you know, obviously you don't want to lose someone, but if you could afford to, that's a position um, that, you know, wasn't going to hurt Florida too much.
0: Nick, let's uh, talk a little bit more about Anthony Richardson. Obviously, um, you know, as you said in the open, uh, this Florida team is sort of gone uh, as far as he can take them from game to game. It does seem like uh, he's protected the football uh, a little bit better lately, that they've played much better lately. Um, I guess – how do I ask this? What, what are the differences in his play when it's good or when it's not good? And, um, you know, it seems like when it's good, it's probably a couple of notches above that. He's shown he can be spectacular when um, – you know when he's at his best.
2: Yeah, and and Florida fans come after me when I say this, but Anthony Richardson has the potential to Florida has the potential to win any game that Anthony Richardson is playing. Um he has, you know, uh, he could be the answer to what if Cam Newton never stole a laptop at Florida? Like he has that kind of ceiling. Um he can be that good. I think he gets in his own way at times. I remember talking to him uh, shortly after the Kentucky game, and he's thinking in that Kentucky game about, well, I'm going up against Will Levis, and there's 15 NFL scouts here. I need to show them that I can throw the ball better than Will Levis. And and, and you want to shake him and be like, listen, Will Levis cannot ever be 6'4, 240 and run 21 miles an hour. So you're taking away the best parts of your game because you think this is what people want to see. They want to see you be Anthony Richardson. So I think he's almost been his worst enemy at times this year. Um, just thinking too much. I'm like, Hey, you can think about that, but don't think about that when you're getting the snap or when, you're, or when you're getting the play call from the sideline. That's the that three hour time window is when you need to not think about anything um, like that. So he has the potential to be a, a Heisman winner. Um, he, he's just a rare special talent um, as a passer. Um, he's just raw still. He, and we've seen it since the spring. His miss is high and, and you miss low uh normally it'll be incomplete but when you start missing high especially when you throw the ball over the middle uh that's when you get get some interceptions he's had seven of those this year um the last three weeks he hasn't had a turnover uh which are the only three weeks he hasn't had a turnover so you're kind of i guess, i think you're kind of seeing him start to get comfortable and, and kind of maybe turn that corner a little bit um but for a while it was just he's going to run for two touchdowns and he's going to fumble the ball once and cough it up and throw an interception. It was almost like things were canceling each other out the first, you know, month and a half of the season. When you look Nick at the Florida run game,
1: has it improved some also in the past three weeks, you know, in addition to Anthony himself Mm -hmm. taking better care of the football, has the run game for Florida been complimentary to that? We know Anthony can run the ball, right? But with, Johnson with ETN, has that aspect also gotten better the past three weeks? And then how do you feel they match up in the run game against a South Carolina team that's shown some deficiencies there on defense?
2: Yeah, well, Florida, it's – I don't know if I've ever been able to say this in the 10 years I've been covering. Florida's offensive line has been really good. Um, And and I think, you know, we started – the other podcast I was on started selling shirts that said, you know, um, RTD – RTDB run the dang ball. Um, it, we thought it was Florida's strength and, and they kind of like threw. and I get, you don't want to be create, make yourself one dimensional, but, um, with the strength of Florida, you've got a quarterback who will make you play 11 on 11 cause he can run. Um, and then you've got really four running backs that are all really capable and they've, they've settled on to Johnson ETN. Um, but Florida outside of Georgia, <laughs> um, you know, has been able to run on on pretty much everybody this year. Um, and, and when they run for 200 yards, I think they are four and one this year. Uh, the one loss coming to LSU um, at home, they ran for 210. Uh, and when they don't run for 200, uh, they have not won a game yet. So it seems pretty clear um, the recipe for success for Florida, at least for this season. Um, and th- they're certainly capable to run. And when I look at, South Carolina, uh, is actually a worse run defense than South Carolina this year. Um, but when I look at South Carolina and I see what Vanderbilt was able to do last week, and I don't know if that's an outlier or if that's how the run defense is, um, I, I look at Florida and I think, okay, if you throw the ball more than 15 times this week, you're, you're stupid.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Nick, to give you the perspective to that from our side, uh, this is a team that really struggled to stop the run last year there were like some real signs of progress at times this year, I think. And then you look at the last two weeks and, you know, the way Missouri was able to run the ball, in mm-hmm. Carolina as well, an offense with Missouri that had not been very good at all um, coming into those games. I think very, very concerning for, for South Carolina from, from that perspective, not probably they'd love for it to be an outlier, but it, it really is not. So, um, you know, we're looking at it the same way saying Florida um, really should run the ball just about, you know, I know coaches are going to say they need balance. Yeah. And all that stuff. They should probably run the ball just about every play, as long as they can stay ahead of the sticks as far as down and distance. Um, how, how much did they run um, Richardson designed run stuff and how much of it is more just uh, the course of a game? He ends up just uh, athleticism taking over, you know, drops back, mm-hmm. extends a play. And all their, you know, their six carries just because that's what was available
2: on a given play. They, it's hard to say. They, they do a ton of RPO, Um, Uh and and fans have been angry because Richardson has almost seemed to always pass in that situation. Um, They've also um, they haven't done a lot of like read option stuff. Um, But Anthony hasn't really been great when they have you know designed quarterback draws or design quarterback runs um, he almost is better when the play breaks down and that's when he really really has made you know people pay I think he went the, I think he went the wrong way on his 60 yard touchdown run and that that was a scramble um, last week um, he had an 80 yard touchdown run earlier in the year and that that was a play that just broke down um, so yes they will call design runs for him but he hasn't been as great or as good um, as he has been. When things break down, he's kind of freestyling.
1: Nick, let's move over to defense. Not that we have to be done with Anthony Richardson or offense, but just wanted to make sure I got this in defensively. You know, Florida statistically has not been great. Now, part of that, obviously, they just in the past uh, three weeks, they played Georgia and they played LSU. And those are two of the better teams in the country, of course. But what have you seen from this Forda defense where, you know, kind of what's the good, what's the bad, what's the what's the ugly, if any?
2: Um the the ugly certainly was twenty-one missed tackles uh against LSU. Um the good, um, I think Florida's linebackers uh, against Florida's linebacker in particular Amari Bernie. Um I think everyone knows uh Ventra Miller. Um and the player that he is, he's in his sixth year. So not new, um, but Amari bernie's had probably his best year um, at, at Florida in, in, in his fifth season with the Gators. Um, the, the biggest deficiency for Florida is uh, covering tight ends. Now, listen, I, Brent Keithy, who's now injured at Utah, he's going to be uh, playing on Sundays. Uh, Brock Bowers might be the, the best player in the country um those two guys torched florida florida doesn't really have um if you have a big athletic tight end florida really doesn't have an answer for that so they've been exposed a little bit um as good as i think venture miller venture miller and amari Bernie are as linebackers they uh they're going to be two down linebackers in the nfl they're not you know they're not very good in coverage so there's there's some ways to attack florida and, and listen uh, we're sitting here and in, in November, you are what you are. Like what, what's on film is is what you have. You're you're not hiding anything. Um I said that before the Georgia game and um and Georgia through through to Bowers and through to Washington all day, all afternoon. So um there's not much for you can do if if you're able to attack that.
0: Yeah certainly would be something to keep an eye on this week. Um South Carolina obviously has Jaheim Bell but Jaheim Bell having to play more of a running back role at least last week, because Marshawn Lloyd was out. Um, so let, let's talk game flow. I um, always like the conversation of, you know, how do we feel like this game is going to play out? How many points is it going to take to win this game? Um, you know, Carolina had a few there in a row where it just seemed like they were going to be more low-scoring slugfests. I look at this, looking at, at Florida's running game and Carolina's run defense, saying – I think Florida can score points in this game. I think Carolina, if they're going to have a chance, is going to have to match it or force turnovers, which is something Florida has not done as of late. Uh, Nick, how, how do you sort of see this game playing out from, like, a game flow slash uh, keys to victory type standpoint?
2: Yeah, I, I'd be. It's, it's senior day for Florida, last home game. Um, I'd be surprised if Florida didn't score 30. And I think you're right on uh, with that, Wes, like – I don't think that South Carolina can muddy up and dirty up the game enough um, to to make it a twenty to seventeen kind of kind of game, um, unless they're forcing a ton of turnovers. So um, I think Florida should be able to score in in the thirties, right around thirty. Um, and, and if South Carolina is is going to win the game, I think they're going to have to, like you said, keep up with that. And um, but uh, I've seen many Florida teams this year. Uh, Florida could also go out there and, and turn the ball over five times and score fourteen. They've made me look. They've made me look silly and uneducated uh, many times this year. So <laughs> you, you, you don't know when you're covering the Gators.
0: Definitely, uh, hey man, uh, great uh, insight, great info. Appreciate you making the time as always. Um, we'll return the favor tomorrow and, and join uh, y'all's podcast. How has that been? By the way, uh, th- those listening probably don't know, but y'all do it from uh, from Spurrier's restaurant.
2: Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They, um, just had their one year anniversary, uh, earlier this year. Um, they have fantastic cookies, uh, which are Jerry's Jerry's, uh, recipe. I don't think Jerry's back there in the kitchen making them, but it's uh, <laughs> supposedly her recipe. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of, if, 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 if you're a South Carolina fan, and you're coming down in it, I would say this, it's essentially a Steve Spurrier museum with some good food. Um, but every, uh, Jerry was probably happy they opened it because every bowl game watch that he got is up on the wall, and visors and hats or South Carolina memorabilia, um, Florida memorabilia. It's uh, it's a really cool environment.
0: I I actually feel like if you're a Gamecock fan going to the game, that kind of feels like a must visit. Like I uh, mm-hmm. I think there's been enough time now. You know, there are still some people still ticked off about the way it ended. Y'all gotta all get over that. Go check yeah. out the Spurrier restaurant. Does, does Spurrier ever pop in?
2: Like, is he there ever... all the time? All really? the time. Yeah. Okay. He, he'll get on a microphone. He's there all the time. If you're there Friday night, he will. He will be there Friday night for sure. I love this. This is awesome.
0: Uh, Nick, again, man, we appreciate it. We'll let you get back to it, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'll see you and Spurrier at the uh, Spurrier restaurant. All right, guys.
2: That's my best prayer. <laughs> there you go. See hey, you. check
0: them out, uh, gatorsonline.com. Y'all appreciate you, Nick. Um, We got to start there, man. I didn't know. I didn't know, right. I didn't know the head ball coach. I knew we opened a restaurant. I didn't know that they were doing their podcast show right. live. I didn't there. expect Nick
1: to say I was waiting for, I thought he was just going to say they have great food, but he went very specific, cookies. And I know that got your attention. How do you know that? Well, you like you like cookies. I mean, it, it, and Nick, I feel like Nick's a guy you can
0: rely on with with a cookie rating. Well, here's the thing, Chris. I I feel like you got to judge people's um, their tone, yeah. the way they say something. Yeah. Um, for example, Chris knows I have a rating system for food. Yeah. Um. Also, if I go to a restaurant and uh, you know, waiter or waitress comes up. You know, she's like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm deciding between these two things. Um, how's the chicken?" And their instant first reaction will tell you everything. Sure. If it's, if they hesitate and then they go, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, chi- the chicken's good. The chicken's good. No, the chicken is not good. <laughs> the chicken is average. It's edible." Yes. If they're like, "Oh, I love the chicken." Yeah. Chicken's probably pretty good. So the fact that He went specific as Mm -hmm. opposed to going broad and said, hey, man, the cookies are on point. Yeah. Leads me to believe the cookies are probably getting better than a seven on the seven out of ten scale. Probably more nine. I was going to say,
1: nine would be the the floor of that, I think. Could even be a perfect ten. Because
0: I I feel like wasn't wasn't Miss Jerry cooking the cookies like a thing back in the day? Didn't she – I I don't know, but I I feel like a great life
1: experience would be like if you could get Jerry Spurrier to give you a cookie and her hug, I mean, day made. Life made, probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, everybody that's been around the program knows Miss Jerry was the key to it all. She was. She's the key to the success. But I kind of feel like I wish I was going to Gainesville now. Like I want to check out. Spurrier's restaurant like I feel like this is cool I kind of honestly in my head when they said he was opening a restaurant fair or unfair I assumed Chris that it was one of those things where somebody else is opening a restaurant and has been like hey Spurrier this would be great if um, you know we could involve you in this and uh, you know you'll get some proceeds for doing nothing right the fact that it actually is apparently his deal his restaurant to an extent is pretty cool. And I think, I mean, y'all weigh in on the chat if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Are we over now the whole Spurrier quit thing? Like, I feel like no, nobody is talking about until now Steve Spurrier this week. Like, you know, when when South Carolina played Florida and Spurrier was here, it was, you know, Spurrier playing his his former team um before you know it was much camp playing his former team plus the added dynamic of Steve Spurrier um you know was the coach there and now is whatever you call his role at Florida i feel like time heals all wounds and it's time to accept what preston just said on facebook steve spurrier is the best football coach south carolina's ever had so didn't end well, but it's time to let that go. What do you think, Chris? You got you gotta take
1: you always have to remove yourself from a situation to be able to kind of look back at it. You know what I mean? And you can you can often see tenures or individual things differently than mm-hmm. you know, when you were in it, or even if you're analyzing something, even if you have no emotional attachment to it. I, I do think that as time goes on, you can analyze things differently. You can you, or you can perceive something more negatively, even than you did in the past. But certainly, it does seem like, man, that was what that was seven years ago, basically, at this point. Um, and there's still some more, I think there's some more stories to come out about that, Wes. There's some interesting things that happened around that time. But nonetheless, I think I like how Game Cut Ryan put it. Still stings. Love outweighs the hurt. One of the greatest unknowns is could South Carolina have finished out that season better if Spurrier did not fire himself, quote unquote, and just finished out that one year. We don't know. It's something that still pains people, but yeah.
0: I would like to go to the Spurrier restaurant. I really would. I wonder what he eats. Um, I know he used to get a salad from Bernie's all the time.
1: Every day. And I never saw Spurrier eat, but he ate, I'm sure. I did hear that. He had the same order. That was, like, every day, right?
0: I, I think we're, we're so. Close to it. Yeah. I think Jamie Peronis would pick up a salad order from Bernie's for him every day. Uh, okay. Or at least a lot. A lot. I yeah. don't want to say every day. I don't know that. But a lot. Um, most interesting man in college football history, like, by far, easily. Yeah. Um, there's, go- there's some good stories there that have never been told, I'm sure. Where where is where is your head on? Would the season have ended better, worse, or the same?
1: I'm trying to think. So, how did they do? That they, they lost to LSU. The next week, they played Vandy and won.
0: They yeah, lost they to, Vandy. They um, lost to the Citadel.
1: They lost to Tennessee in a very close game.
0: They lost to Clemson in a very close game. They lost to Texas A&M in a very close game. Lost Texas A&M. I, I don't know. I tend I to think. Tend to think go here's the thing. I don't think they would have lost to the Citadel. Yeah. However, even as I'm saying that, I'm not convicted in that. Like, I'm, here, I don't know if those other games would have been as close as they were. Like, I think they got some. Some juice. I think they got some juice. Like, they they should have beat Tennessee. Like, they were right there in that game. They were driving down in there, had the fumble. Jarrell Adams fumbled. And, hey, G.A. Mangus, Perry Orth, like, they had some good plans on offense. Gave themselves a chance. So, if Spurrier doesn't quit, but he has quit, you see what I mean? Like, he doesn't officially quit, but he's just like, over it doesn't the team probably sense that
1: i think so and i think that's maybe one of the reasons i don't think i think that's why spurrier did walk away spurrier is like the ultimate competitor i mean he wanted to beat you in everything so i think once he realized that he was not effective and maybe his heart was not in it he walked away but they might have sensed that i don't know but you remember how surprised people were that night. Like, people didn't know that he had quit. Yeah. They weren't sure. People like, owned the team. People in the program. Staffers were not sure if he'd quit. By the way, I, I think I'm just going to say it. I have been, for a while, working on an account of that last day. I'm working on it. And I may release it one day. There's more
0: work to be done but i may do it it's pretty fascinating do uh don't say it out loud do you do remember who my source was on that i do i think um they say never reveal your sources i think uh when you do your account that um i think that can be revealed for for a couple of different reasons but um I think this I think this will be a really good story. Like I, I feel like this should be released one day. When you hey who was the national who's the national guy that had it first? I think I think it was Pete Damel. No? Oh, hold on. Um, was there hold on, hold on. Was there a guy named uh Thayer Evans? Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: yep, yep, yep. Is that he, who it was? He's now uh, an agent, I think. I feel like it was him. I used to get them mixed up. So it was one of them. I think it was Thayer.
0: I think you're right. I wonder, I always wondered, um, because the person who told me first, and it wasn't enough for us to go on it, the person who told me um, was a family member of somebody that was on the team. Mm -hmm. And they would have found out like like it had just happened. Mm -hmm. So I always wondered who reached out to a national guy and said, hey, this is happening. And how it was that quick and that it was enough for him to be willing to tweet it out as like, hey, this is happening.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. This this is fun. Another idea. We also, Mm -hmm. accompanying whatever written account we just need to do like a two hour podcast on
0: it. Yeah, it feels like that's what we're doing right now. I know but, it is.
1: I feel it is uh, awesome. It's like a long time. I wonder course. if we could
0: get there to speak on that. We can try. That probably would be not
1: going to give up the source.
0: No, no, probably not. But man, there are some,
1: there's one story in particular on it, like a little sub story that is
0: hilarious. I feel like there's going to be several of them. There'll be several. Yeah, look out for that in the year 2023 uh, from Gamecock Central. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the game. Um, (laughs) What what did we learn? Here's the thing that caught my attention, and maybe it's just because I have a short attention span, and it was one of the last things he said, Chris, but tight ends have toasted Florida's defense. My first thought was Jaheim Bell. My (laughs) second thought was is playing running back. So... (laughs) You know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I feel like you maybe, if that is true, have to find some ways to continue to implement um, Stogner while also keeping Bell involved as much as you possibly can in the passing game, even if he's going to have to play a bunch of snaps at running back.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I'm glad Nick made that point about the linebackers. I mean, Ventrell Miller, Amari Bernie. This guy's been around a while. They played a lot of ball and they're talented. And so you got to find a way offensively to kind of limit their impact on the game. You know, Florida's got some depth on the edges. They don't have a ton of depth inside, but they do have some big guys, Desmond Watson, who's 415 pounds. And that's not an exaggeration. I mean, he literally is. Um, they tend to keep those guys clean, Bernie and Miller where they can go around and, and fly around and make plays, um, especially in the run game. They're really good at you know, stopping guys behind the line of scrimmage, creating negative plays, not letting you get a lot in the run game. And so you have to find a way to get to the, the second level, pass those guys. One way to do that is to involve the tight end. Can you take them out of the game with passing concepts? Can you get them blocked up with a tight end on the second level? Can – your offensive lineman reach the second level and cover those guys up so they're not able to fly around. So, you know, involving the tight ends, Stogner, Adkins, Trey Kenyon's played some. Bell, if he's at in, you know, some type of whether it's in the slot or at a tight end or an H back, can they do some damage, not only blocking for the run game, but in the pass game, that would, you know, seem to unlock a good bit for this GameCock offense.
0: Yeah, and I feel like um, man. Desmond Watson, like these are these are guys, I feel like these big true nose tackles that, um, you know, he, he's bigger than honestly just about all of them. But that has, I feel like the last couple of years, maybe even before that, those guys have given South Carolina a lot of trouble. Like they have really struggled to um, hold up against the bigger – um, interior defensive fronts that they have faced, as far as getting some movement um, on the interior. So, can they run the ball in the interior? Does it end up being more of a space game? Can they get out there in space? Is that possible? I, you know, I think those will be things to keep an eye on. Interesting, also Nick saying, uh, you know, Florida has struggled to stop the run defensively, like really to the extent that South Carolina has, at least statistically. They're worse than South Carolina. So, um, you know, is Marshawn Lloyd able to go? How close to 100% is he? Um, I think safe to say he won't be 100% even if he's able to go. Uh, Craig says, are we 90% sure Lloyd isn't playing? I don't think he will. You know, I think, all right, it's Wednesday. I think sometimes, Chris, we get in these situations where, um, you know, people will sort of look back and if a guy doesn't play, They'll be like, well, well, you know, the coach said he was going to play or the coach said they were optimistic. Well, um, it's not a static thing. Like, I I think a lot of – sometimes they already know, and Muschamp was notorious for that. But I think in the case of Lloyd and being a bruise and being something that's, you know, a leg injury as a running back, I think some of these things truly are day-to-day. Like, it truly will depend on how he feels as the week progresses. Um, From what I understand, he did a little bit today. I think it's going to be more about how does he wake – how does he feel tomorrow? Generally Thursday, at least traditionally, Thursday is the day. You want your guy to have been able to do something as far as practicing a pretty good bit on Thursday going into a Saturday game.
1: Yeah, and Shane Beamer mentioned that Marshawn Lloyd told him Uh, This week, he he felt better than he anticipated he would, which is obviously a positive, but there can be the other side of that too. And that's where the day-to-day thing comes in. You wake up one day, it doesn't feel as well. We're also discounting the fact that uh, you're not just healing up to go walk around your house or go to work. You are healing up to go get beat up again in an SEC football game um, with – you know, some big old defensive linemen, some linebackers who are really good. You're going to take some hits, and when you're a running back, you're going to take a lot of hits in that exact same area. So you have to feel good about it all around. You want to have Marshawn Lloyd available as much as you can. And, look, I think, Wes, we were all talking about it last week. It was a big storyline. Can Marshawn play? We had a feeling and pretty sure that he probably would not as the game against Vanderbilt approached. So, you know, how does that change things? And obviously, it does change things. We saw Jaheim Bell take a bunch of snaps at running back. He got, what, 16 carries in that game. So it changed the calculus a good bit for South Carolina. I think it's amplified in this game. Um, Not that South Carolina would be incapable of moving the ball against Florida. Not that I don't want to bring any doom and gloom to it, for sure. But against a team in Florida that, look, this is going to be a more difficult game uh, against Vanderbilt, I think Lloyd's absence, if if he's limited or if he can't play at all, would be more noticeable against Florida, and so that's going to mean you have even more to figure out offensively in terms of how you're going to attack him.
0: Yeah, and I, I think um, I'll say this, man. I thought Jaheem, all things considered, um, you know, the fact he's playing a position that he did now he did. I think this was valuable that he took reps at running back in the preseason and had done some things in the backfield. That had to be valuable, um, as opposed to just inserting him in there completely on the fly blindly. But obviously, there was some. Uh, it was going to be a bit of a transition, going to be more of a true running back last week. But I'll say this: I thought he actually ran the ball better than the stats showed for him. You know, and I, I think there were um, a couple of plays that were wiped out by some holds on the edge. I don't know if those were. Necessarily, both runs or quick passes. I don't know how they were counted, but um, I, I think he is capable. And I, I think if there's no Lloyd, then I think Bell is the guy who has to have again the most carries. And I, I think that's probably the approach South Carolina will take as well. But again, it's Wednesday. We'll see what happens. We'll see how Lloyd is feeling. But um, can't stress this enough. Like you hear a bruise, and you're like, oh, it's just a bruise, but. Um, It ain't just a bruise when it's deep, and it's not just a bruise when you're talking about a position where you're going to get hit on this bruise potentially multiple times per game. Uh, Before we move any further, I want to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax. Uh, Overcome your tax ID at 803-462-5576. They have convenient locations in Columbia, Irmo, and Lexington. Again, 803-462-5576. If you own a business and you don't enjoy keeping up with all the payroll and bookkeeping and accounting and all the stuff you do not like about your business. Um, they can help you out. Uh, they have a QuickBooks Pro advisor on staff. They can let you do what you do best, which is work at making your money and making your business successful. Liberty Tax can do the rest. Um, again, Lexton, Irmo, Columbia, 803-462-5576. Um, Chris, uh, before we get out of here, man, any thoughts on the press conferences today? Obviously, all three coordinators speaking, Satterfield, Clayton White, Pete Limbo. Um, you always gonna get you're always gonna get the unexpected from Pete Limbo, that is for sure. But uh, what what did we learn today? Anything?
1: I expect the unexpected from Pete. That's right. Always a lot of references. I don't know if there are many war references today, maybe a slight upset in the Pete Limbo category. No, I, I mean, it wasn't uh, – not a lot of takeaways today. Like, I felt Satterfields was a little bit shorter, not not because of the answers he was he was giving. I mean, uh, it was a better performance for South Carolina last week, I think certainly, Wes, defensively. I mean, Clayton White fielded some questions on the overall health of the team. The secondary, I think, remains a storyline to watch, Wes, um, in terms of the overall health there. Uh, they're, they're banged up. They're pretty thin. Uh, Cam Smith, Shane Beamer noted this week has has still been dealing with just not feeling well. The chest cold, head cold, whatever. However, they classified it. Um, but but not a lot really coming out in terms of new information. Uh, I didn't think from the from the Wednesday press conferences with coordinators.
0: Yeah, and I, I think um, kind of at the point there's not there's not really a whole lot. To, to say or at like you kind of are what you are at this point in the season, I think. So early on, there's a lot of this new information to be had uh, this time of year. In some ways, in many ways you are what you are. I did think it was interesting Satterfield saying um, they got to some of the calls this past week that they actually had planned to run against Missouri and, and sort of never got to because of the way that game played out. And um Trying to think if there's anything else. Limbo. Um, Limbo talking about which guys have maybe caught his attention that are freshmen that maybe could play more on special teams. Mentioned Stone Blanton. Um, I thought that was that was interesting. But you, you know, you kind of always would think Stone could be like he has the skill set to be a very successful special teams player, I feel like, and played it felt like a little bit more. Uh, it felt like he and Bam Martin Scott got on the field a bit more last week. Um, Ben Martin's got already a part of several special teams units and now maybe playing a little bit more on defense as well. Um, I don't know, man. I think that might do it for today. What do you think?
1: Yep, sounds good. I know we have plenty more, but uh we need to we need to save a little for the next show uh where we'll break down some of the keys to a game caught victory, predictions coming later this week, Wes, and a lot more analysis
0: of this matchup with Florida. Yep. So y'all know the drill um, usually Chris and I have Monday show. Mike has Tuesday night. We usually do a Wednesday or Thursday with, uh, in theory, with a somebody covering the opponent, which we were able to do this week, obviously. And then, um, so no show Thursday. We'll have a Friday afternoon show, probably be one o'clock, and probably be live from Market on Main as well. That'll be our final preview. We dive in key matchups, keys to victory, uh, final injury report. Uh, try to get through everything that's going to potentially happen. In this game, but until then, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, appreciate everybody who's joined us. Uh, like, review, subscribe, uh, push all the buttons, and uh, until later on, we'll see y'all. Have a good one.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family